and honestly, as between really bad and catastrophic, I said to my team, we've got to walk into the world of really bad. Oh, man. That's the way I wake up every morning. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove, on 92.9 FM WLRI in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, in Maui, Hawaii, on 88.5 FM KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio, on WGRN 94.1, Palinville, New York's 102.9 FM WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We're also heard streaming coast-to-coast and around the globe on the internets every day on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me... If not you, from bradblog.com, thank you for joining us today for another thrilling action-packed adventure that we call The Bradcast. Uh, we are live today in the studios here in uh, at uh, KPFK in newly sweltering Los Angeles, uh, which means uh, it might be a good chance to take your calls. Yes, your calls. What we discussed uh, yesterday... I had uh, brought this up at the end of the show that maybe we take some of your calls on this. Progressive readers of the New York Times have been canceling their subscriptions in response to the hiring of a climate science denier. Is that a good idea? Not the hiring the climate science denier part, but the canceling your subscriptions to the New York Times. Is it? In this uh, Trump era, I don't know. You can give me a call on that. Also, FBI Director James Comey was back on the hot seat today in the Senate Intel Committee regarding his investigation last year into Hillary Clinton's email server and the ongoing investigation into the Trump campaign's alleged conclusion, conclusion, collusion uh, with Russia prior to the election last year. Got thoughts on any of the above? Well, get in line. Our phone number is 818 985-5735, 985-5735, if you have thoughts on that. Also coming up in the show, Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. Hi, Des. Hey. Uh, a, a lot, actually, in today's Green News Report. Yes, we do try. Including uh, rolling back, which is just amazing to me. Trump's now rolling back the oil spill safety regulations that were put in place after the BP oil spill? Yeah, because who really? needs safety regulations now, right? 
What could possibly go wrong? Um, so uh, if you want to talk about any of that, too, 818-985-KPFK. Uh, Des, also, uh, the we're, we're beginning to get word now that the administration, the Trump administration, is looking to pull out of the Paris Agreement, the landmark Paris Agreement, the largest uh, international agreement ever struck there yep. uh, to, to uh, curb greenhouse gases around the globe. They're looking now to get out of it. Yes. Despite the fact that, as you have reported, um, when the uh, when the agreement was was signed or, or put into effect last year, there is a four year period before essentially before anyone can pull out of that agreement. Right. Correct? So as part of a negotiated agreement. And remember, this is not a treaty. This is just an agreement. It's entirely voluntary. We signed it in December of 2015 under the Barack Obama administration. So there are two mechanisms that they can use. The Trump administration can use to exit the agreement. One, as you mentioned, is the four year plan where uh, they can within three years from now mm-hmm. is the first opportunity they would have to announce that they wish to exit the the agreement, and then it would take another year before that would actually take effect. So that's the four-year version. But there is also a one-year option, and that's the one that's really, I think, uh, the most damaging to the United States international standing. Of course, pulling out of the agreement at all is going to be really damaging to the U.S. and especially our leadership in the world. However, the one year would require the United States to withdraw from the original framework convention that was signed by in the United Nations. This by, is the UN convention that yes, on was, climate change on climate change that was entered into in 1992, 25 years ago. So it wow. would take a one year process to exit the entire framework convention, and that would be that would be really a big deal and for that the would, U.S. to do that, that. Would remove not only our uh, seat at the table on the Paris, the specific on the Paris Agreement, but that would take us out of of everything that has to UN do with climate. anything. Yeah, right, including you know the Montreal Protocols that dealt with the uh, acid rain and with the ozone hole. All of those things would also take us out of those. So, you know, part of the issue seems to be within the White House. There are two factions. The faction that wants to stay in is State Department. Uh, the is uh, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson and a few others. There's also Scott Pruitt, the EPA administrator. However, wants to exit the agreement because he feels like the wording of the agreement will make it more difficult for him to kill off climate policies that are right now in the courts and headed to the Supreme Court. No doubt. We will be watching that uh, this week. Uh, Boy, you'd really have to be an uninformed uh, jerk to pull out of that uh, treatment. To pull out of the Paris Agreement? So I don't think that could possibly happen. Not not just the Paris Agreement, but the entire UN framework for climate would be uh, extraordinary. But don't be surprised. Uh, We'll be watching that story as we move forward. Uh, Looking backward for a moment yesterday on the broadcast, as noted, we discussed with the uh, Philadelphia Daily News' Will Bunch. He was my guest, and we talked about the question about the about the New York Times' latest op-ed page hire. This is a guy by the name of Brett Stevens. He's a right-winger, a former Wall Street Journal columnist. He's an anti-Trumper, but he is also a longtime climate science denier. Now, this comes this hire of this guy, Brett Stevens, comes after The New York Times has has seen a big bump in uh, subscriptions to the paper uh, during the Trump era. Uh, They've been running an expensive ad campaign highlighting, quote unquote, the truth as being more important now than ever. But then they go out and they hire this guy uh, who denies 
the science of climate change. And he filed his first column over the weekend, charging that uh, because pre-election polls about Hillary Clinton winning last year turned out to be wrong. By the way, they weren't all that wrong. Uh, but nonetheless, he, he cites that as as reason why we should be wildly skeptical about all of this scientific data, finding that global warming, uh, finding that the globe is warming and uh, and that it will lead to more and more great dangers in the near future. So in response, many progressives are reportedly jamming the New York Times phone lines to cancel their subscriptions over the weekend. Uh, but but is it smart? Is it ultimately smart or is it self-defeating since the New York Times reporting, whether you like it or not, is very important. And in most cases, most, but certainly not all cases, it is good, including their climate science reporting uh, has been, uh, well, both excellent and important. Here's uh, here's a little bit of my conversation with Will Bunch yesterday. The Brett Stevens first column that caused so much controversy it really wasn't that much about climate. It was really about don't trust experts. And I mean, to me, the irony of that was just incredible because as, as, as you may have seen in these expensive ads that the New York Times produced, and uh, it's all about the truth, you know, and how the truth, the truth is more important than ever. Uh, this is who we are post the election of Trump, you know, that now that Trump is president, uh, the truth is under fire, but we do the hard work to give you the truth. And Meanwhile, oh, by the way, we went out and just hired this guy who, you know, thinks the truth is is a bunch of crap, basically, you know. And whatever, whatever those people subscribed to the New York Times for, it wasn't to read Brett Stevens. I can tell you that. It wasn't to read, right. it wasn't to read climate science denial. Uh, yeah. On the other hand, Will, I, I, you know, because I'm, I'm looking at this, I'm wondering, you know, if this is the journalistic hill that progressives ought to die on. I, yes, he's he's a denier. And I don't want to be one of those concerned trolls, Will. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I, I, I wonder if uh, progressives end up hurting the paper more than they actually help it, you know, by pulling their subscriptions at this oh, point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, I mean, the bottom line, I, I want The New York Times to succeed. That was my uh, a little part of my conversation with Will Bunch of the uh, Philadelphia Daily News, the great uh, attitude blogger. You can hear that entire conversation. Uh, download yesterday's broadcast at bradblog.com or your favorite iTunes uh, site. I'm sorry, podcast site like iTunes, for example. Uh, so do you have a New York Times subscription? Uh, if so, why? If so, uh, did you cancel your subscription over the uh, over the Brett Stevens issue? If so, why? So is it smart to cancel over this? Is it smart to uh, take a piece out of the New York Times right now? Is this a hill worth progressives dying on, as I uh, as I said to uh, Will Bunch yesterday? Uh, I mean, if it ends up harming the New York Times' ability to cover the news and indeed climate change, is that a good idea? to uh, massively curtail the uh, subscription uh, income that is received by The New York Times in this uh, sort of a a boycott. I don't know. So I'd love to hear from you on that. 818-985-5735. You can also tweet me if you like. I am TheBradBlog. I will try to keep my eyes uh, on the Twitters as we go. Uh, Speaking of um, (laughs) what's smart for progressives or not, you know what? I got got a bunch of election news, a bunch of stories that actually we're working on uh, that I'll, I'll save most of this for later in the week. We'll be covering some news on the upcoming Georgia special election for the U.S. House and some important news on the mess that we've been seeing of late um, when it comes to voting at all in Maricopa County, Arizona. That's Phoenix. Uh, but uh, Ryan Grimm had this, uh, what he calls a little scoop this morning 
Um, the DCCC, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, is pumping another 400000 almost half a million dollars, into the Montana special election to, bl- to back uh, bluegrass uh, legend folk singer Rob Quist up there, who's running as a Democrat, a progressive Democrat in Montana. $400,000 to pay for TV ads and uh, encourage people to run, to, I'm sorry, to return their mail-in ballots. Ryan Grimm of Huffington Post says this tells us one of two things. Either A, the DCCC is willing to respond to public pressure to back progressive candidates running even in long shot races, which they did not do in Kansas a few weeks ago. You'll recall uh, our coverage of that. Or B, they think that he has a real shot of winning. Or it could be both. The Montana election is May 25. I know that the Republicans are very concerned about it because the uh, statewide, the election officials there and the uh, the uh, the state legislature had planned to run an all mail-in election for this. Uh, Montana has just one congressional district, so it's essentially it's a statewide race. And uh, they had uh, actually planned to send ballots to everyone, and on, at least until. The head of the Republican Party, the state Republican Party, freaked out about that, said, no, if we send ballots to everyone and everyone gets to vote, the Democrat will win. So they have changed that plan. They're forcing people to actually go to the precincts, which, to be honest, I prefer. But um, uh, it's easier to oversee balloting and so forth. Um, But this is a sign that the Republicans are quite concerned about what happened in uh, what could happen in Montana. And it's a suggestion that the Democrats, a half a million dollars, that's a lot of money uh, for a U.S. House race, uh, that they are at least in some fashion optimistic about what could go on in Montana. Anyway, um, more on some of these other uh, elections as we move forward this week. Uh, In the meantime, Hillary Clinton on Tuesday, speaking at the Women for Women International event in New York, delivered her most forceful critique of the uh, uh, Donald Trump 2016 victory to date. And she took both personal responsibility for her failed campaign, uh, but also pointed to the timing of the October 28th letter from FBI Director James Comey concerning the FBI's brief reopening of the investigation into her uh, use of a private email server while she was secretary of state. That investigation, which ended once again on the weekend just before the election, found no new emails of concern and did not result in any uh, in any charges. Uh, In any event, uh, she cited that moment on October 28th and also she cited Russian interference in the election as factors in her loss. It wasn't a perfect campaign. There is no such thing. But I was on the way to winning until the combination of Jim Comey's letter on October 28th and Russian WikiLeaks raised doubts in the minds of people who were inclined to vote for me but got scared off. As Nate Silver, who, you know, doesn't work for me, he's an independent uh, analyst but one considered to be uh, very reliable, you know, has concluded, you know, if the election been on October 27th, I'd be your president. So. Did we make mistakes? Of course we did. Did I make mistakes? Oh my gosh, yes, you know, you'll read my confession and my, <laughs> my request for absolution. 
But the reason why I believe we lost were the intervening events in the last 10 days. That was Hillary Clinton speaking yesterday. Uh, And please do note, she also blamed herself. She wasn't only blaming Comey. Uh, she blamed herself for the loss uh, in, in, you know, pretty no uncertain terms, I should say, um, since some today this including the abhorrent Texas Republican Senator John Cornyn uh, in the Senate Intelligence Committee hearing today with uh, FBI Director Jim Jim Comey. I'll get to in a moment. Uh, Cornyn, Senator Cornyn was falsely charging that Hillary Clinton blamed everyone but herself. That is blatantly false. Now, you might uh, you can blame whoever you like, and I'll take your calls on that as well. 818-985-5735. But to say she blamed everyone but herself is just false. All right. Today, during that public testimony uh, before the U.S. Senate Intelligence Committee, the FBI director spoke about that October 27th letter that he sent to Congress and his decision process in uh, in making it, uh, deciding whether to send that letter. It was his most detailed explanation to date for taking that action, which many Democrats, including Hillary Clinton, still cite as um, one of the determinant uh, reasons for uh, Hillary Clinton's loss. On November 8th last year, Comey said that the notion that his decision helped change the course of the election still makes him, quote, mildly nauseous. But he stands by the decision, said he would do it again. And so let me play some of that uh, testimony. Um, This is in the Senate on Wednesday. And as I said, I'll take your calls on this, in which the FBI director describes the choice between really bad and catastrophic options that he saw when he decided to inform lawmakers about the discovery of additional Clinton emails that were found on the computer of former Congressman Anthony Weiner, the husband of Clinton's top aide, uh, Huma Abedin. Uh, Here's Comey's explanation in response to California Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein. Why was it necessary to announce 11 days before a presidential election that you were opening an investigation on a new computer without any knowledge of what was in that computer. Why didn't you just do the investigation as you would normally with no public announcement? Great question, Senator. Thank you. Um, October 27th, the investigative team that had finished the investigation in July, focused on Secretary Clinton's emails, asked to meet with me. So I met with them that morning, late morning, in my conference room, and they laid out for me what they could see from the metadata on this fella Anthony Weiner's laptop that had been seized in an unrelated case. What they could see from the metadata was that there were thousands of Secretary Clinton's emails on that device, including what they thought might be the missing emails from her first three months as Secretary of State. We never found any emails from her first three months. She was using a Verizon BlackBerry then, and that's obviously very important because it, if there was evidence that she was acting with bad intent, that's where it would be in the but first three months. But they weren't there. Look, can I just finish my answer, Senator? Yeah. And so they came in and said, we can see thousands of emails from the Clinton email domain, including many, many, many from the Verizon Clinton domain, BlackBerry domain. They said, we think we got to get a search warrant to go get these. And the Department of Justice agreed we had to go get a search warrant. So I agreed. I authorized them to seek a search warrant, and then I faced a choice. And I've lived my entire career by the tradition 
that if you can possibly avoid it, you avoid any action in the run-up to an election that might have an impact, whether it's a dog catcher election or president of the United States. But I sat there that morning, and I could not see a door labeled no action here. I could see two doors, and they were both actions. One was labeled speak, the other was labeled conceal. Because here's how I thought about it. I'm not trying to talk you into this, but I want you to know my thinking. Having repeatedly told this Congress, we are done and there's nothing there. There's no case there, there's no case there. To restart in a hugely significant way, potentially finding the emails that would reflect on her intent from the beginning and not speak about it would require an act of concealment, in my view. And so I stared at speak and conceal. Speak would be really bad. There's an election in 11 days. Lordy, that would be really bad. Concealing, in my view, would be catastrophic, not just to the FBI, but well beyond. And honestly, as between really bad and catastrophic, I said to my team, we've got to walk into the world of really bad. I've got to tell Congress that we're restarting this, not in some frivolous way, in a hugely significant way. And the team also told me, we cannot finish this work before the election. And then they worked night after night after night, and they found thousands of new emails. They found classified information on Anthony Weiner. Somehow, her emails are being forwarded to Anthony Weiner, including classified information by her assistant, Huma Abedin. And so they found thousands of new emails and then called me the Saturday night before the election and said, thanks to the wizardry of our technology, we've only had to personally read 6,000. We think we can finish tomorrow morning, Sunday. And so I met with them. And they said, we found a lot of new stuff. We did not find anything that changes our view of her intent. So we're in the same place we were in July. It hasn't changed our view. And I asked them lots of questions. And I said, OK, if that's where you are, then I also have to tell Congress that we're done. Look, this was terrible. It makes me mildly nauseous to think that we might have had some impact on the election. But honestly, it wouldn't change the decision. Everybody who disagrees with me has to come back to October 28th with me and stare at this and tell me what you would do. Would you speak or would you conceal? And I could be wrong, but we honestly made a decision between those two choices that even in hindsight, and this has been one of the world's most painful experiences, I would make the same decision. I would not conceal that on October 28th from the Congress. And I sent a letter to Congress. By the way, people forget this. I didn't make a public announcement. I sent a private letter to the chairs and the rankings oh, of the wow. oversight committees. Did I know it's a distinction without a difference in the world of leaks, but it is. it was very important that I tell them instead of concealing. And reasonable people can disagree, but that's the reason I made that choice. And it was a hard choice. I still believe in retrospect the right choice, as painful as this has been. So that was James Comey speaking to the Senate U.S. Senate Intelligence Committee today, describing his choice to uh, uh, to either speak or conceal, as he framed it, uh, decisions that he described as either really bad or catastrophic. He took the really bad one. Do you accept that explanation from Jim Comey? Uh, if so, or if not, you can give me a call, 818-985-5735. Uh, we'll uh, take a break shortly and, and come back with your calls. Uh, Comey's appearance before the Senate Intelligence Committee today, this comes one day after both uh, President Donald Trump dismissed what he described as phony ties between his campaign and Moscow. Uh, and Clinton's uh, partially blaming Comey and his handling of the investigation for her loss. Trump tweeted, I think this was yesterday, FBI Director Jim, uh, FBI Director Comey was the best thing that ever happened to Hillary Clinton in that it gave her a free pass for many bad deeds. 
He went on to tweet, the phony Trump-Russia story was an excuse for the Democrats as justification for losing the election. Perhaps Trump just ran a great campaign? Donald Trump tweeted yesterday. Is that what happened? He just ran a great campaign? Is this just an excuse? Give me a call. Uh, Senator Feinstein then went on to, uh, to press Comey about his consideration, uh, about how this action would have a, an effect on the election. Now, that's something that has long been in violation of the Department of Justice's procedures concerning criminal investigations and indictments just prior to an election. Feinstein uh, asked her, uh, asked uh, Jim Comey about that. You took an enormous gamble. The gamble was that there was something there that would invalidate uh, her candidacy, and there wasn't. So one has to look at that action and say, did it affect the campaign? And I think most people who have looked at this say, yes, it did affect the campaign. Why would he do it? And was there any conflict among your staff, people saying do it, people saying don't do it, as has been reported? No, there was a great debate. I have a fabulous staff at all levels, and one of my junior lawyers said, should you consider that what you're about to do may help elect Donald Trump president? And I said, thank you for raising that, not for a moment, because down that path lies the death of the FBI as an independent institution in America. I can't consider for a second whose political fortunes will be affected in what way. We have to ask ourselves, what is the right thing to do? and then do that thing. I'm very proud of the way we debated it. And at the end of the day, everyone on my team agreed, we have to tell Congress that we are restarting this in a hugely significant way. Once again, that was uh, Jim uh, Comey, FBI director in the U.S. Intelligence Committee, uh, Senate Intelligence Committee today. So with hindsight, do you accept Comey's explanation? Or do you, like many Democrats, still hold James Comey responsible for Clinton's loss, at least to some extent? Should he have also announced that the FBI had just begun an investigation into whether members of the Trump campaign were colluding with Russia uh, in some way to undermine the presidential election? Comey has said that the investigation, that investigation is continuing, uh, but that it had just started last year. So it wouldn't have been appropriate to say anything about it. That's what he basically said uh, today during the the hearings uh, in the Senate. Um, the, and I should note, the investigation into her private email server was then uh, closed, just be, once again, reclosed, I guess, just before the uh, just before the election. No charges of any type uh, have ever been brought. So I'd love your calls on that. I know the lines are already filling up, so we'll get to a break. Also, your calls on what's going on at The New York Times, where they've hired a climate science denier for their op-ed pages, albeit a Pulitzer Prize winning one. Uh, is canceling subscriptions the right way to send a message to the failing New York Times? All of that, the Green News Report, your calls, and much more straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Don't go away.
Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Give me a call if you like. 818-985-5735. 818-985-5735. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com with you here. Uh, let me get straight. Well, uh, you know what? Let's just get straight to these calls because there's a lot of people uh, who want to ring in both on what's going on at the New York Times, hiring a climate science denier, and on uh, Jim Comey's testimony today concerning Hillary Clinton, her email server, the 2016 election, Donald Trump, all of that. Let's go to uh, Mike in Upland. Hey, Mike, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hi, Brad. How are you today? I'm okay. <laughs> so I'm calling about the uh, New York Times. Yeah. I uh, subscribed a few months ago, and uh, I read this about Brad Stevens, and so I'm kind of uh, dealing with my own conscience. Should mm-hmm. I go ahead and drop it? But I just wanted to call to remind us all, that the New York Times has never quite been the paragon of journalistic integrity. I might remind us about the Iraq War and Judith Miller. Yeah. Uh, no, listen, I've been very critical, as we discussed on yesterday's show, of the New York Times over the years. Um, and so that's why I'm sort of conflicted on this. Uh, you know, I... I the work they do is important. Our ability to criticize them is also important. Uh, so I don't know if canceling is the right thing or not. You've got a subscription. Are you gonna Are you gonna cancel it? Or are you gonna hang on to it, Mike? I haven't decided. I just thought <laughs> your program was interesting because here I am, kind of in the state. I really decided to subscribe to them because I wanted to get a mainstream view about Donald Trump, and they seem to be uh, pretty close, perhaps for self-interest reasons of giving to Trump a little bit. But on the other hand, when I see this Brad Stevens, I just think, man, that's the old New York Times. Well, yeah, it is this uh, this fake balance thing. And by the way, it's Brett Stevens, not Brad Stevens. Uh, We got to be careful about uh, mixing up our Brads, particularly not just because it's the Bradcast, but also because the New York Times has recently hired uh, Brad Plumer. Uh, for their uh, for their environment desk, he's he's been on our show before. He's an excellent reporter on climate issues, uh, and they do <laughs> do important reporting. So yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm of a mixed mind, and you're not helping, Mike. But they, I appreciate. <laughs> All right, program. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate your call. Eight one eight nine eight five five seven three five. Let's go to Soren in Long Beach. Hey, Soren, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Brad. Thank you very much. Appreciate what you do. Thank you. Um, I just had a, a, a comment about the framing. You know, just in the way that you said, you know, oh, may I remind you that Hillary in no uncertain terms, you know, she's also blaming herself. Mm-hmm. I just find that untrue. With I can't square that with her saying flat out, we were on the way to winning when blah, 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 James Comey 10 days before. It seems to me that she's trying to have it both ways and only really paying lip service 
to taking any portion of blame. Does that make sense? Uh, uh, well, your your opinion, of course, makes uh, makes sense. She was very clear. I thought that she uh, took responsibility uh, for ultimately for what happened. And the reason I pointed it out is because you had Republicans today in the Senate lying about her uh, not taking responsibility. So I wanted to be clear about that. But uh, beyond that, look, this is this is math. Uh, basically, if you look at the numbers, if you trust, uh, and this is up to you, but if you trust the pre-election polling, uh, if you look at that, there was a great big dip that occurred at exactly the same time, just after James Comey made this announcement. So, yes, she was on her way to winning, again, if you believe the polls, and then there was a big big turn in the numbers following that announcement. That's what she was referring to. I think that's fair framing. Uh, it's up to you whether you think she's, you know, right or not, or who's ultimately to blame. But I don't think that was unfair framing. You disagree? You know, well, you know, I just, I just, I just can't square it. I mean, I just don't think she is taking that responsibility. And I think that's paramount right now because okay. the Democratic, she's so emblematic of mm-hmm. the Democratic establishment that made, to me, the fatal mistake of forcing her through when. She was clearly vulnerable, you know what I mean? But that's a conversation we've all had a lot. You know what I wish a lot of outlets would do, and you've been great about having them on and covering the content, she should be talking about the kind of things that Greg Pallas has reported on. You know, nobody, it's like we have, we got to sit here and try to, I try to, try to, try to come to terms with the fact that, yeah, like after decades of, public life and all of the polarizing, you know, like deep, deep, deeply entrenched camp opinions about Hillary Clinton Mm -hmm. were to believe that stupid James Comey's letter 10 days before the election somehow swayed an election. Whatever the polls say, I think that is probably has more to do with the, with how the, the, the polls were conducted, how they were framed vis-a-vis that letter and, and 538, with Nate Silver and everything, she's citing them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had their moment in the sun, I think, you know, with the election of uh, Barack Obama. But he, they were getting it wrong left and right in the, uh, during the primaries. Okay. And, you know, so I don't buy I don't, I, I, I don't find Silver anymore either. Uh, okay, and fair enough. Uh, I don't see, and thanks for the call, Soren. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I don't see them uh, having gotten it that terribly wrong. If you look at their numbers, they were not that terribly wrong. What they were wrong on was uh, the probability, this this probability, oh, she's got a 80, 90 percent chance of winning or however they come up with that number. But as far as what the polls actually said... The final results, as reported, if you believe the final results as reported, were pretty close to what they were reporting uh, the pre-election polls to be uh, within that margin of error. Anyway, uh, let me get more of your thoughts, not mine. Uh, let me go to uh, Michael in Claremont, who may agree with Soren. Hey, Michael, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, how are you doing? I'm okay. I appreciate you taking my call. Uh, I can't say that I necessarily agree with him, but I'm going to take it in a completely different direction. It's a beaten horse, but I still carry a bumper, two bumper stickers on my car that agree with this position I'll take. Hillary Clinton lost the election before the, uh, before the primaries when she literally did everything in her power, she and the DNC, to marginalize the Bernie Sanders and the Burner movement. When they did that, the Democratic Party showed that they were not that far 
far misaligned from the Republicans, the Tea Partiers, and the denizens of that party. They showed the voting public, folks who literally could have either voted or stayed home, that quite frankly, a vote to the right or to the left was not that far off. Now, in hindsight, we see Donald Trump and we see the things that he's created and the things that he's done and what it stands for. But I said to my wife before the election, and I said that if Donald Trump won, which I knew was a definite possibility, especially against the likes of Hillary Clinton, I said that at the very least, it would awaken the activistic spirit in the United States that had not been seen since the 1970s and the Vietnam War era. It has come to pass. It is the most incredible thing that I think we could have seen. If Hillary Clinton did win, all of the women's movement would be silent. You know, entirety. I I take your point, and we talked about this before the election as well. I take your point. Uh, That said, uh, there are real consequences. They're talking about uh, they're still trying to pass this Republican health care bill, which will knock 20 million people uh, basically off the rolls when it comes to health care. I was reading on uh, Twitter today, uh, Senator Bob Casey of Pennsylvania putting out an urgent notice about a woman and her five-year-old child who are being deported today back to... uh, uh, I think it was Guatemala, where they had witnessed a murder, so they fleed because uh, they are, uh, you know, likely to be killed as witnesses, and yet they are being put back on a plane today. So it's fine to say, and and I understand the thinking that, hey, you know, this really got everyone, uh, you know, the activist spirits got people marching on the streets, and I'm really happy to see that. But it comes at a very expensive cost. And I'm glad, Michael, that you are one of the people who are not going to have to pay that price. Uh, but a lot of people will and are. And um, so I don't know. I I agree with the, much of what the, the rest of what you had to say. But uh, we all saw this coming with Trump and, and the cost that it was going to be. And I, I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time saying it's all for the best. Yeah. Would it be okay to interject? I mean, you look at the concept of... Uh, Hillary Clinton. And you look at Obama. Obama was once considered to be the deporter-in-chief, deported Mm -hmm. more folks than any other president before him. And so you look at where the Democratic Party was going. Mm -hmm. We were in cahoots, and we literally were the party of the lesser evil, but evil none the same. Hillary Clinton called the young African-Americans such as myself, uh, you know, uh, super predators. She had she was forced through just general kids just walking in front of her and forcing her themselves on her to speak out and say that hey she might even consider to take a look at Black Lives Matter and the concepts that we have. We all saw those videos. So uh, granted, would would we have a president that was as flashy and as you know just asinine as Donald Trump? No, but we still would have had a president that sits back. And wheels and deals, and everyone would just sit back and drink whatever she was putting before us. All right. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, I appreciate that call, Michael. Yeah, uh, thank you. Let me get on to uh, some other callers here. Uh, I'll only uh, uh, say that that super predator comment, for whatever it's worth, was around 1990, just to make sure it's in context. Not an apology for Hillary Clinton. Uh, Just trying to put it all in context. And uh, and you make some excellent points. Thanks, Michael. I appreciate it. Uh, Let me get to... uh, Oh, good. Uh, Tracy in Calabasas. Hey, Tracy. Is this uh, our old friend, Lady Cab Driver? Yes, Brad. Long time no hear, no talk to. I've been uh, listening to you guys for the last few weeks, though. Oh, good. I, I'm like, well, today I had to call. Okay, good. 
because that that call me yeah that. yeah <laughs> and, and just the fact that he was so you know I was I was mildly you know nauseated and he you know you know I was waiting for him to clutch his pearls. For God's <laughs> You're not buying it. You're not buying his explanation about what he did. I'm not. You know because all that is all well and good, sweetie. But the problem I'm having issue with because you had information on Trump that he was in that he was possibly colluding with Russia. Mm-hmm. That the our, our our elections could have been possibly hacked by Russia. So you didn't think that was important, but email. Well, it, it, to, to be fair, we didn't have the, uh, there, there was, there is a suspicion. There is a suspicion. That's why they've opened up this investigation uh, and uh, into his uh, campaign people. Well, it's different. Fair, yes. uh, I, I try to be fair all around. So. <laughs> I try to be fair too. Yeah, but it's just the way he's saying, you know, all this emphasis on her email. Yeah, and I'm no big. I'm not a Hillary fan by any shape, form, or fashion. You know, let's. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of down with with my young brother, except for the fact that you know, um, with the super predators and and all that. And yes, she said it in 1990, but she still had never. She never walked it back in 2016. Mm-hmm. I never. I never heard an apology about it. So, and you All never right. said that maybe we should do something about that horrible, you know, the welfare bill and the criminal bill, mm-hmm. you know, so we never heard anything about what we're going to do about that. And if she maybe has, maybe, maybe those are part of those mistakes that she made. Maybe has, has she said, maybe we should make sure that, you know, brown and black people, if they do commit a crime that's drug related, maybe, you know, they still should be able to get financial aid and whatnot and so forth. So to cut to, uh, to cut to the chase, Trace, you're basically saying that uh, you're no fan of Hillary Clinton's but you don't buy uh, what uh, no, Jim Comey was selling today on Capitol Hill. I know right. I don't buy what he had to say. And, and right. one quick thing about the New York Times thing. Yeah. You know, don't cut off your nose to spite your face because this guy is just, what did you say, he's an op-ed person? Yeah. So that gives you a chance to write in and debate this person, right? Yep. To give, you know, to say, you know what? Okay, you're a climate change denier and all that. That's all well and good, but we have facts also. So for you know, no, we have we, we have facts. We have facts exclusively. He's making up facts. That is a difference, Tracy. Right. Uh, really good to hear from you. Thank you for it's calling in. Keep keep listening. I gotta uh, get on to a few more folks here, but I really appreciate the call. Good hearing from you. Thanks, Tracy. Good hearing from you too, sweetheart. You Bye. bet. Thanks. Uh, all right, let's go to uh, George in. Uh, where are we here? George in Coarse Gold. Hey, George. Welcome to the broadcast. Hi, Brad. Uh, boy, uh, your callers have really hit on some of the points I was going to make. Um, I thought, you know, like a lot of people, I bought the PR about Comey that, you know, he saved us from uh, when they tried to uh, go to Ashcroft's hospital room and get him to sign papers that would authorize the wiretapping. During the Bush and, era, yeah, during the George yeah. W. Bush era, yeah. And, and Comey uh, was acting attorney general, and so he supposed to be a hero in that case but mm-hmm. that that performance he did today was so phony it was so rehearsed and he was filibustering that's what they do they try to use up all the democratic senators time with these long drawn out explanations and how nauseated he felt wow. oh, come on all right. this guy's a this guy's a liar and, and the whole deal with the uh the new york city fbi office and giuliani conspiring to release information about the Democrats and Hillary Clinton, who I'm not a fan of, was 
you know, it goes to show. It's like in uh, Greg Palace's book, uh, Best Democracy Money Can Buy. I'm, I'm reading about all these uh, states, red states, uh, mm-hmm. attorney generals and, and election officials con- closing the doors, locking out any Democrats while they fix the re- election results in Alabama against Don Siegelman and in state after state. These guys are playing to kill us. Thanks. It's not funny. No, I I agree. It is not funny, and I appreciate the call, George. Uh, It is not funny, and uh, this is one of the reasons why I was warning about Donald Trump. Whatever you think of Hillary Clinton, uh, where this country is headed uh, is very, very alarming, Under uh, certainly under Donald Trump. And yeah, Comey did talk about the fact that there is supposedly an investigation into the New York FBI office right now, and those leaks... Uh, alleged leaks to uh, to uh, Rudy Giuliani. Do I have time for one more uh, up here? Let me get to uh, Tina in L.A. Hey, Tina, welcome to the broadcast. Hi, Brad. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm going to attempt to be quick here. First of all, I live near an oil refinery and harbor here in L.A., okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I've come sick because of it. I'm literally dying right now because of, in 2011, the Fukushima Daiichi plant. Um, the the plumes from the um, from the radioactive waste came over, and now I'm dying of of, um, of thyroid cancer and some other cancers as a result. What I believe is that we as citizens, the millions of us with health care, without health care, but we as citizens should be literally House of Representatives, um, our president, um, the Senate, anybody who is voting against climate. Um, climate um, policies, deregulation, um, if, if the president will not go to Paris and participate in climate summits, we should be, we should actually be suing our government for attempted murder or attempted um, negligent homicide because we have a right to breathe uh, clean air, eat quality food, have clean water, and not die as a result of this. I'm not going to make it. I don't know how much time I have. However, we as citizens need to rise up and make them accountable. If they're not going to vote for quality air for us that we are paying for, we are paying for them to kill us. We need to stand up and literally fight for it. I mean, we need to be in the street shut down this system because, like I said, it's time. What are we going to do? I feel like I'm a fish in out of a bowl sometimes. It's Terrible to Well, thanks, uh, Tina. I appreciate that call. I'm I'm uh, sorry to hear uh, that news. I you're doing the right thing though in making noise in raising hell. Uh, as far as you know, suing these politicians, there's actually some some kids, uh, some children. I think are suing. That's in the U.S., right, Des? Those uh, that lawsuit. Yeah, against... that's uh, the the group yeah. called Our Children's Trust is a nonprofit law firm that's representing 21 children under the age of uh, 21 right now who are all. Uh, pushing the United States and in their state governments as well to act on climate change as a lawsuit. All right, we got to take a quick break. We'll come back. Uh, I'll try to get to some more of your calls. So hang in there if you're uh, if you're on the line. Uh, we got to do the Green News Report, and I'll try to get to as many calls as I can. Uh, boy, lots to talk about today for a change. Quick break, and we're back with uh, with more broadcast and Desi Doyen in the Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. Given the outcome of the 2016 election, we really need your support now more than ever. Progressive media outlets have been under attack for years, even during supposedly progressive administrations. 
We are now facing a whole new world and real alternatives to the mainstream corporate media. You know, the folks who got it all wrong from the jump must be able to continue the fight for all of us. This is not a drill. It never was. Please consider a donation to our work here on the Bradcast by stopping by bradblog.com donate to help out however you can. A monthly pledge is greatly appreciated, but anything you can share will keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Oh, hello, Desi Doyen. Melting for you. Oh, we got to get your mic there. Uh, did we have Des' mic? On? Yeah, hello, I'm here now. That's better. Oh, boy. <laughs> Lots of stuff going on. One of those days, isn't it? Uh, oh, it always is. It has been for a long time, for some odd reason, particularly since November 8th. But even before that, even in the months leading up to that. Uh, all right. Well, uh, speaking of November 8th and what has come of it since, uh, let's get to it. Our, our late, And we'll try to get some back to some of your calls if I have any time at the end of this. But our latest Green News Report. I'm here to make a statement about the stupidity of denying climate change. The People's Climate March draws hundreds of thousands in the sweltering heat. Trump's EPA deletes climate change from its website. Last-minute government funding deal ignores Trump's proposed environmental cuts. Largest electric utility in Iowa to go 100% renewable. Plus... This executive order starts the process of opening offshore areas to job-creating energy exploration. Trump rolls back oil spill safety regulations implemented after the BP Gulf oil disaster. All of those disasters and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. We talk about Assad gassing people. We're gassing them, too. We're just doing it slower with CO2. Ouch. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, it seems only appropriate that we would have record-breaking heat at the end of April on the day that the people are marching for climate. (laughs) Yes, yes, it does. It was a massive People's Climate March that flooded the streets of Washington, D.C. on a sweltering Saturday. Official estimates put it at about 200,000 people, larger than the March for Science and a certain president's inauguration. In (laughs) D.C. and nearly 400 sister marches around the country, the Climate March united a broad spectrum of environmental groups, Native American, labor, and racial justice organizations demanding action on climate change and blasting the Trump administration's aggressive anti-environment cutbacks on the 100th day of his presidency. If something isn't done, the stakes are enormous because they're talking about more pollution that's going to put more pollution in the air, like arsenic and mercury in in our water, and that affects the air our kids breathe and the water they drink. The organizers of the Climate March say the goal now is to rally the public to defend pollution protections and spur voters to vote for climate hawk candidates in the 2018 congressional elections. 
As you mentioned, the day of the march tied the record for the hottest April 29th in D.C. history. But worse, the night before the march, a significant temperature record was broken when overnight temperatures failed to cool down and drop below 70 degrees. Mm. That's the first time that's ever happened in any April in the District of Columbia. The day before the climate march, President Donald Trump signed an executive order to expand offshore drilling in Arctic and Atlantic regions previously protected by President Obama. But that order also rolled back safety regulations on offshore drilling that were put in place after the BP oil disaster in the Gulf. Because, of course, it did. Yep, that was the worst in the nation's history. The executive order or the BP oil spill? That's a good question. (laughs) Trump's order also explicitly removed Native American tribes in Alaska from their seat on the Bering Sea Advisory Council. Yeah, well, remember, he's a big fan of Andrew Jackson, who didn't like Native Americans either. Nope. The night before the march, the Trump administration's Environmental Protection Agency deleted nearly all references to climate change from its website, Mm. including info on the causes and impacts of climate change that have been in place since 1997. The site now says it's being updated to remove outdated information and will be rewritten to reflect the agency's new direction under President Trump, (laughs) and that removing the information was necessary to prevent confusion. Outdated information, eh? Yeah. The Interior Department also quietly stripped its pages of information on climate change and its impact on public lands. Hey, if it's not on the website, it didn't happen. Meanwhile, a deal reached in Congress late Sunday night to avoid a shutdown and fund the government through September does not contain drastic budget cuts proposed by the Trump administration. Does not contain? Nope. The EPA gets a 1% budget cut, but no staff cuts. If Trump signs the deal, budget increases are in store for the National Park Service. NOAA and the Department of Energy's Renewable Energy and Energy Efficiency Programs. But I thought Donald Trump was insisting on a 30% cut to the EPA. Oh, he still is. That will just have to wait until later. So sad. Plus, some good news. The deal also extends permanent funding for retired coal miners' health care. In Ohio, the company that owns the controversial Dakota Access Pipeline, Energy Transfer Partners, reported spilling 2 million gallons of drilling fluids into two Ohio wetlands in the process of constructing a 700-mile pipeline. The Ohio EPA says the spilled drilling fluid isn't exactly toxic, but the sheer volume of 2 million gallons could affect water chemistry and potentially suffocate wildlife. Finally, some good news. The largest electric utility in Iowa is going 100% renewable. Mid-America Energy is investing $2 billion to build more than 1,000 new wind turbines with the goal of generating 100% of its electricity from clean sources within two years. The CEO says wind energy keeps electricity rates down because, quote, the beauty of wind is there's no fuel costs. Way to go, Iowa, for much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to. Check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyne. And this has been your Green News Report. Iowa. I guess I couldn't come up with any lyrics for that, huh? Seems like cheating. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Uh, Let me see if I can uh, clear as many of these calls as I can very quickly. Let's fly through. Uh, Let's get to uh, Bob and Gardena. Oh, no, wrong. 
Uh, let me try. There we go. Bob and Gardino, welcome to the broadcast. Sir, you got about 30 seconds. What's up? Thank you, Brad. Uh, of course, I don't expect Hillary or any uh, Democratic politician to bring up the three states where the uh, where was never a recount. I don't think Jill got her money back on that one either. And as you know, we don't exactly have a Democratic election process, and we don't need the Russians to help with that because Jim Crow policies like voter suppression and criminalists and uh, the Dayball-type machines are still there. Yes, they are. And you're talking about Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. I remember them well. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate that call. Uh, let me see if I can get... Oh, another Bob. Robert in Bell Gardens. Go. You got 30 seconds. Hi, Brad. Hi, Robert. Basically, what I would suggest is that it is in the best interest of the United States of America and the world to re-legalize marijuana, the beneficial, personal, historically legal <laughs> marijuana, cannabis, hemp, plant. The specific relegalization reasons I would state and would be prepared to discuss are freedom of thought, First Amendment, consciousness, self-determination, and individual autonomy, the pursuit of happiness, inconsistent with America's economic system and America's political and social ethics. All right. Th- th- thank you, Robert. Uh, that was your 30 seconds. Well done. I swear to God, Robert is the uh, a movie phone guy. He's so the movie phone guy. If not, he definitely has a career in robocalls. Thanks, Robert. I appreciate it. Uh, can I get in both? I'm going to try. Uh, Tim, go for it. You got 30 seconds. Tim from Tustin. Hi there. Uh, Comey had time to uh, give an excuse to cover his ass. The, the two answers he gave, he just sounds incompetent. In addition, they had damaging information on the Republicans as well as the Democrats before the election. Why didn't they stop the election? And any uh, Trump spin and lies in, uh, except with uh, uh, Mrs. Clinton accepting the blame, uh, you know, would you ever hear Trump accept any blame? Uh, no, he, he never uh, accepts any blame because, as you know, Tim, he never does anything wrong. Last one, our champion, Morris from Long Beach. Oh, we just missed Morris. He just hung up as I went to him. Either that or I hung up on him. Sorry, Morris. We'll try again next week. Uh, my thanks to our producer, as usual, Desi Doyen, to our board operator today, Kiana Williams. Thank you, Kiana. Good to see you. Um, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Thanks to all of the callers today. Uh, tune in tomorrow. We've got some interesting stories coming up, as I mentioned, uh, on the uh, Georgia special election, on some amazing voting stuff going on in Maricopa. That's coming up in the next day or two on the broadcast. All right, that's it. Until we meet again... Oh, you can drop me email, bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. That is it. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.